Perhaps the most controversial topic of discussion in our day revolves around truth. Opinions often blur the lines of an objective truth. Streaming platforms, social media, and other mediums allow individuals to project their truths upon the masses like never before. In the midst of woke, cancel culture, religious freedoms, political liberties, social injustice, we attempt to search for and reveal the truth. This is Truth Revival. And we're back. Welcome to the next episode of Truth Revival. I believe this is episode 28. Would you say that's correct, Paul? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's like we've got, it may be. I we've can't got, remember. We've got so many nowadays. Um, but uh, it, we're just keeping up with it from week to week. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just... Uh, Pretty sure it's episode just, 28. Just glad to be here, Rome. <laughs> yeah, we're on episode 28. Next week, it's it's the, the Christmas holiday weekend... Uh, I don't know what you want to say. Just that stretch of time where it's just Christmas all the time. Everywhere you go, it's Christmas. And and next, the next episode that we're going to have, which should be episode 29, I believe, we're going to be featuring, uh, very excited about this one, Robert Ritchie with the Olive Tree Messianic. And then we're also going to be having uh, one of the FCA leaders from the school that I work at, Andy Nichols. They're going to be on the show. Very excited about that. And we're going to be talking about some of the events that surrounded the nativity, the, the Christmas story, I guess. So uh, if you wanted, if you want a, a Christmas episode, be sure to tune in next week. But today we've got a very, very interesting episode planned for you guys because we've name dropped Ray Comfort a couple times in in the show we've been big on apologetics and and evangelism and i came across a video of of ray comfort debating atheists about creation paul have you ever talked to anyone about specifically atheists about creation and evidence of god the existence of intelligent design? No, I haven't. Um, I've gotten a few discussions with some flat earthers over it, but uh, never an atheist, no. Okay. So what I'm going to give our audience today, this is basically a transcript of a Ray Comfort evangelistic message and the defense of the Christian faith for intelligent design. So the big question is, can the existence of God be proven without faith? Well, you know, the Word of God teaches us that without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord. Would you agree, Paul? Yes. So we walk by faith and, and not by sight. The substance of things hoped for but the evidence of things not seen. We live by faith to please the Lord, but can we prove the existence of God without faith? Paul, chemistry, biology, science, these things were never my strong suit. Are you good with that stuff? No. <laughs> I've never been good with, with any of that stuff either. But you know, there's people that are out there that are, that are into that sort of thing. We're not going to be really discussing 
entropy, relativity, cosmology, quantum physics, biochemistry. We're not going to be talking about that. Ooh, thank you. <laughs> what we're going to be discussing is beautiful simplicity. Yes. We're going to be taking three irrefutable evidences of intelligent design so that we can realize that there is a creator God mm. out there and hopefully trying to prove the existence of God without faith. So the first one being creation. Paul, you've got your, you got your cup there. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. What if somebody said billions of years ago, there was this massive explosion in space. No one really knows what happened or how it happened. It just, kind of happened and on top of this huge rock this liquid tasty bubbly substance was found and over millions of years that aluminum crept up over the side and formed that plastic top that you have there and then another million years red acidic paint rained down from the heavens and formed the words Harvest electric on the side. Would you agree that that's possible how your cup came to? No, I would not. <laughs> that would almost be insulting uh, your intellect. Yes. Would you agree? I would agree, yes. So why is it that when we can look at that cup, for example, do you know who made that cup? So that's an, that's an Ozark Trail. It was a gift to me. It's even got your name yeah, on it. Yeah, a lady I wired her house made it for me. But if, if we can identify that cup as something that had that has been created that it was designed that it has a maker why would we even entertain that we are just some big cosmic accident if it's designed there must be a designer yes and mr nationwide over here paul you're a man who likes clothes don't you yeah i do <laughs> tell us about your taste in clothes paul would, uh, you, would you say you have simple taste um, in clothes, or do you have elegant? I don't. Well, I'm not very elegant. I don't think. Um, I like to be different. I like um, I like small companies, people that I can kind of get to know. You know that I know the creator of the brand that I wear. Um, I really prefer made in the USA. Okay. Um, I actually, I would almost. I think that I've spoken and got to know. Everybody that I wear their brand. So I know the creator and the designer of the brands that I wear. Nice. I know what they stand for. I know where they came from. I know why they do what they do. It's another reason why he's called Mr. Nationwide. Because Paul doesn't just put any old thing on. He he is intentional with the stuff that he wears. Would yes. you agree? Yes. So we understand that the things that we wear have have been designed. They've been they've been created. But to Say that this happened by chance would be to enter into an intellectual free zone. And the most beautiful system of sun and planets and comets, Sir Isaac Newton said, could only have proceeded from the counsel and dominion of an intelligent and powerful being. Albert Einstein said, in the view of such harmony in the cosmos, which I, with my limited mind, am able to recognize there are still people who say there is no God. Mm. When we look at a building, how do we know that there is a builder? 
Can you see him? Touch him, taste him, smell him? What evidence is there that there was a builder? Well, I'll tell you, the building itself is 100% proof, 100% scientific proof that there was indeed a builder. You can't have a building without a builder, but you don't need faith to believe in the builder. Right. Would you know? Would you get what I'm saying? Right. The, the building itself is testimony of the builder. All you really need is eyes that can see and a brain that works. You say, well, Roman, that's not exactly scientific. In order for something to be scientific, it must be subject to controlled testing. It must be something that's able to be observed. The yeah. same principle ap- applies to paintings. You don't need faith to believe in a painter. All you need is eyes that can see and a brain that, that works. The painting is observable proof that there is a painter. Me and a good friend of mine was talking about the Sistine Chapel over in uh, in Italy. You know how long it took to make that thing, Paul? Or the, 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 the actual painting on the inside? It took over four years. Really? For that for that to be painted. Michelangelo was, was responsible for that. But it's... Just an incredible, detailed work of art. Nobody can can say, oh, well, that just happened by accident. No, somebody made it. Yeah. Somebody painted it. You put dozens of scientists in a laboratory to observe a painting, and they're going to eventually conclude that there was a painter. Yes. He or she, you know, Paul, just like your, just like your cup right there. We was even able to find the manufacturer, their 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 logo on that cup, on a painting. You might even be able to find a, the the painter's signature yeah. in one of the corners. The same applies to the existence of God. You can't see him, taste him, touch him, smell him, or hear him, but creation is one hundred percent scientific proof that there is a creator. You don't really need faith to believe in a creator. The who, that's the big question. Now, God's word teaches us that it was Yahweh, Jehovah God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But but, but the who's and the why's, that, that's kind of, that's what's debatable. But we shouldn't even, we shouldn't even have to debate the feasibility of intelligent design because, again, all you need is eyes that can see and a brain that works. This is Romans chapter 1 all over again. Let me read that. I've got it right here. Oh, you got it right there? Yeah, Romans chapter 1 starts at verse 18. Go ahead. You ready? For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived even since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Listen, to th- and this is where we are in Keep our going. society. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their heart to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creator, excuse me, 
for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameful acts with men and receiving themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were, they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, everything that is against God in our society today, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossip, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, investors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Wow. Something that you said in there, Paul, said that they had their hearts darkened. Um, they, they professed themselves to be wise, but they became fools. And how in this world can we even debate intelligent design with people who won't even adhere to the truth? No. Who look at your truck out there. I, I mean, Paul, could I ever convince you that your truck had no manufacturer? No. What if I said it took thousands of years, Paul? Uh, well, I think that Dodge is made in the United States, right? Yes. Okay. Well, well okay. There's a company that uh, that's local. I know you're a USA man. You domestic. They're harvesting trucks. We call them Dodges. It's taken thousands of years, but these these trucks they grow up out of the ground, man. It's a it's a craziest thing. You'd say, Roman, you're you're insane. That that's not possible because I understand the manufacturing process. All vehicles, trucks, cars, they've been made with a purpose in mind. They've got a windshield so that you can see where you're going. <laughs> uh, they've got wipers when it rains. Yeah, tires to stick to the road. Tires that stick to the road. What about four-wheel drive? There, there's a purpose in there. Um, you, know, they, you can adjust the, the, the cooling in the, um, in, the, in the cab if it's hot and you want to turn on the air conditioner, boom. If it's too cold outside and you want to turn on the heat, you can do that. What about when your windshield gets muddy, Paul? You've got that little liquid that you can kind of squirt out. And yeah, the, <laughs> the rain eggs, if you want, you know? Yeah. And that's just, we didn't even talk about the engine. We didn't even talk about the drivetrain. We didn't even talk about, you know, uh, the suspension and all this other thing. But... Your truck, our vehicles were designed. Well, what about the human body? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, Paul, after a long day of work, you're tired, Heather's tired, or maybe even after church on Sunday afternoon. Everybody's got to eat. So where are you going? I'm going down to see Juan and the family at Senor Lopez, 105 Mecca Pike, Teleco Plains, Tennessee, where the food is fresh and the family is welcome. Come home for dinner at Senor Lopez.
And now, the continuation of Truth Revival. We've got two eyes. And these eyes, they help us to see where we're going. Do you know, Paul, that each eye has 137 million light-sensitive cells? Wow. The focusing muscle in our eye moves an estimated 100,000 times a day. That's crazy. Man has never created a camera lens that complex. Windshield wipers. You know you got windshield wipers? Yeah, inside. Well, your eyelids. Yeah, they just pop out. Your eyelids. Those eyelids, they move so fast, you don't even notice them. Cleans off the muck. We, we've got tear ducts that keep our eyes lubricated. And that air conditioner we was talking about, it's called your nose. <laughs> <laughs> when the nose gets stopped up, you've got a backup. Guess what it's called? The mouth. Think of the positioning of the human, the human ear. It's positioned on the side to capture sound. We've even got these little grooves that's built in to feed the sound into the brain. To catch the waves. To catch the sound waves. Mm. Uh, what about the hand? Our respiratory system. The laminin that holds us together. Oh, my God. In the shape of a cross. Look that up. A Louis Giglio yeah. shout yeah. out right there. The, the nervous system, our complex reproductive system, male and female. Just as we don't need evidence to believe in a builder, we can look at this beautiful and marvelous creation and find evidence of a creator. All you need is eyes that can see and a brain that works. The invisible things of him from creation of the world are clearly seen, as Paul read earlier. The invisible things of him, of God, from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. If I want the builder to do something for me, then I need to have faith in him. I need to entrust him. We talked about that last week. The same applies with God. If you want God to do something for you, you've got to have faith in him. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven sixteen. but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And I want to tell you something. I think you're getting ready to share something over there, aren't you? Well, I'm just waiting. There's a difference. <laughs> there's a difference between an intellectual belief in God and actually putting your faith in him. Yes. You may be putting yourself above all of this. And think that, well, religion is just nonsense. But search your heart and allow this evidence of God to reveal itself. Yes. And if you'll just take the time to think rationally and logically, and I think this is why people choose not to believe in God. Because if they entertain the thought that, okay, there is a God, well, that means that we have to play by his rules. We have to do what he says. And people just think, well, if I don't believe in God, then I don't have to be accountable to God. That's not true. Because on, on, on Mars Hill, what do those, those men at Mars Hill say? They, they, they had an inscription to the unknown God, and Paul, the apostle Paul said that God once winked at the ignorance of man. Yeah. But now he commands all men everywhere to repent. Go ahead. Come unto him. Yeah, it's like Thomas. You know, Thomas believed, but then he didn't believe Jesus came back. And he was like, I, unless I see this, I'm not. I, I just can't do it unless I actually physically put my eyes on it and jesus came and presented himself to him and in the, in the end of this passage here thomas answers says my lord my god 
after, after he touched him, Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet believed. See, I, I really feel like a lot of the problem with the atheists and, and, and the things going on now, people just don't want to submit themselves to a higher authority. Mm. You know, they, they don't want to say, hey, you're greater than me because the world's taught us that says, hey, I'm my own God. I'm my own idol. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to build my kingdom. Nobody's going to boss me around. I'm going to live the way I want to live. I'm going to sow my royal oats. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to be who I am. And, and there's nothing anybody can say or do to change that. Nobody wants to submit to a higher power or a higher authority. And, and the problem is this. When we, do, when we approach our life that way and we do what we want to do, I don't care if you're 20, if you're 30, you're 40, you're 50. I don't, there's going to come a point when you come to the end of the road. Right. And you're going to be standing there, and everything that you thought meant something is gone. Everybody you thought meant something will be gone. And you're standing there staring this void. You're staring at this void. You're thinking, what's left? There's only one thing left the invisible God mm. that you're going to have to talk to. You're going to have to fess up to, and you're going to have to take what he gives you. So if that's the case, and you can look around you at these mountains or the ocean, wherever you live, and you can see the painting in the creatures and the animals, all these things that he's made and painted and, and just created out of spectacular beauty that you can't even give a word to describe because it's so majestic. And you, and you see that creation cries out for its creator, and you see these things, how can you not admit that you come from a higher being and a higher power? Because there's an inkling of the Spirit of God in every man. Right. Because, listen. We were, we were made in his image. Yeah, we're made in his image. So deep down, we know the difference between good and evil. Even when we're a kid, my three-year-old knows. Because he knows when he's pushing it. And I say, hey, you're going to quit that. He knows. <laughs> and, and and we just run and we hide from, from this sovereign God. and We just want to do our own thing. And I don't understand it because in him is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, all these attributes that are good, that are against everything this world is promoting and, and pushing right now, death, destruction, uh, division, separation, be who you want to be. It doesn't matter what, what anybody says. All these things that make you miserable, alone, and dejected is totally what he's against. Mm. And he offers the alternative. We talked about in Sunday school this morning. He gives love. He gives joy. He gives peace. And he gives patience, you know. His joy is our strength. Yes, you know, and, and, by, and by going away from him, you're promoting not joy. You're promoting misery. Mm -hmm. But coming unto him and finding him, his joy is our strength. So if you acknowledge the creator and his joy is your strength, he's going to give you love. And 1 Corinthians 13 says his love never ends. Amen. So if his love never ends and you're needing joy and he gives that and he gives peace that surpasses all understanding, as it talks about in Philippians, why would you not come to that creator? Why would you not admit, hey, you know, my dad was a, was an atheist at one time. He 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 claimed to be an atheist. Mm. And when I was 11 years old, he came out of that shower. 
And he's like, get ready. We're going to church. <laughs> and I'm like, what? My mom's like, what? The Lord has spoke to him in an audible voice in the shower. Wow. It's time. So even though people confess that they're this and they confess that they're that, God always gives them a chance to redeem themselves. Right. The question is, will they hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying? So the three irrefutable evidences that there is a creator God. The first one was creation. We talked about that, and I believe we talked about it in pretty good detail. Could we go deeper? Absolutely. But all you need is a mind that can see and a brain that works. There's evidence of a creator God. Yes. The second one, Paul, you even alluded to a little bit right there. It's the conscience. You said we were all indwelt with a knowledge of our creator. The conscience is an impartial judge in the courtroom of the mind. Yes. It speaks to us irrespective of whether or not we believe in God. There's a system of morality that's already built inside of us. Like we know that it's wrong to harm ourselves. We know that it's wrong to steal from somebody. We know that it's wrong to, to hate somebody there. There's, it's like there's there's morality that's built inside of it. We are moral creatures made in the image of Almighty God. We have a knowledge of right and wrong. And even in our society, we've set up court systems to punish wrongdoings. So let me tell you where the word conscience actually comes from. It actually comes from two words. And it means to convince with science. Con and science or knowledge. So to convince with knowledge, that's what conscience is. Each of us have this built-in knowledge of right and wrong. So why would we always do right if there was no punishment for wrong spiritually? Well, what we have to do is we have to reference God's mirror. And when I talk about God's mirror, I'm talking about the word of God. What's one of the first things that you do when you wake up in the morning? Everybody looks in a mirror. All a mirror does is reflect what's what is what's what's in front of it. And a mirror reflects the truth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Amen. And what I want to try to do here is I want to stir up your conscience so that the Holy Spirit will be able to reach your heart and convince you of an almighty God. So the Ten Commandments, these, this is known as the law, Exodus chapter number 20. Paul, have you ever told a lie? Oh, yeah. So what does that make you? A liar. Okay. Have you ever taken some something that belonged to somebody else? Yes. Okay, what does that make you? A thief. Oh, you're not off to a good start. <laughs> Have you ever used God's name in vain? Yes. Okay, well, when you use God's name in vain, or God's name is a curse word, a word to express disgust. That's called blasphemy. Yes. So we three for three. Three for three. You're not doing good. <laughs> um, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 28, he said, you have heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looks upon a woman with lust in his heart has committed adultery already. Mm. I mean, Paul, which man? We all have. Hasn't. I mean, I've not 
physically committed the act of adultery, but spiritually in my heart. And I'm I'm actually with you right there. I'm four for four. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all of those. We all are. Um, but how about another one? Jesus said, uh, have, you, have you ever committed murder? Have you ever murdered anybody? Well, according to your preaching this morning, I have. Well, uh, so what Jesus said, <laughs> Jesus said, and if you've said unto your brother, if you have hate in your heart towards your brother, yeah. that you're the same as a murderer. Yeah. So Paul, by our own admission, we are lying, thieving, blasphemous, adultering murderers mm. at heart. That's that's rough. And one day we're going to have to face God on judgment day. Yeah. We're going to have to stand and give an account. And if God judges you based on the Ten Commandments, you think you're going to be innocent or guilty? Guilty. Mm, guilty as charged. Well, what if people say, well, I don't believe in God? It doesn't matter. There's, yeah. there's hard evidence in a creator God. We yes. couldn't be... We couldn't be in this solar system. This didn't just happen by some big cosmic accident. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. There's intelligent design out there. and But one day, whenever we stand before God, it's either going to be heaven or hell. He's either going to say, enter in or depart from me. And God's going to say, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Paul, do you have anything to offer God to barter or convince God that he should let you in? No, nothing. There's nothing that we can give in exchange for our soul. But so, so what happens is we got atheists or people who say, well, I just don't, I don't believe in God. And then you know what? I don't believe in hell. That would be like walking out into a busy highway and saying, I don't believe in trucks. Yeah. My lack of belief does not negate reality. My unbelief does not negate reality. Most people believe that hell is reserved for evil people. Well, God is just. He's also going to punish. We know that God is going to punish rapists, murderers, adulterers, pedophiles, hypocrites, thieves, and liars. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 10, all have their place in the lake of fire. No thieves, no covetous, no drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. We read about it uh, this morning, Paul. In Revelation chapter number uh, 21, verse number 8. So my hope and prayer is that your conscience has been stirred by these commandments to show that we are all in need of God's forgiveness. Amen. What are your thoughts on that? God, help me. I need it more and more every day. It's, it's, uh, you think about that and you answer those questions and you're like, man, I really am. You know, I I lie. I've stolen. I've cheated. I'm not I've, a good person. I've adultered. No, not one. There's none good. No, no not one. None righteous. And and we are in desperate need of a savior. Amen. Desperate need of a savior. Yeah. Because here's the thing. How I can't save myself. And like we talked about last week, you know, entrusting our souls to a faithful creator. A faithful creator. He created all this creation. And he created us to worship him. So he had to bring us back by the sacrifice of the lamb. The, the apostle Paul, he came to that realization, Romans chapter 7, verse 24. He said, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Yes. Is there any hope? Do I have any hope? Well, mm. the answer right there is, is, is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. And so that's the third irrefutable 
evidence of a almighty creator. Amen. And that's the radical nature of conversion. If Mm. you realize that you need God's forgiveness and you seek forgiveness through the gospel, God will reveal himself to you. Yes. And that is the ultimate proof that God is real. Zach Hitson said it uh, two episodes ago. I know he's real because he lives inside my heart. That's what Jesus Christ told his disciples. said, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to come again, and I'll send the comforter unto you. That's the Holy Spirit. It teaches us all things. It indwells the believer, and that is the ultimate proof that God is real. Now, I, I believe that, that you know, like you said, Paul, the, the mountains, the, the the beauty, the splendor, the the tapestry of the sky when the sun sets and it's beautiful or the, the, the couple people was posting on Facebook the other day about the, the sunrise and just how beautiful it, it was. was. Amazing, yes. The ultimate proof that God, I mean, I can see that these things are, this is evidence of God, but the ultimate proof is the indwelling of his Holy spirit. You may say, well, Roman, I don't necessarily understand the gospel. So how can I respond to the gospel? Here it is in the most simplest terms that we can break it down. You and I are part of the ultimate statistic. 10 out of 10 people die. Yeah. There's no doubt. There's no doubt about it. 10 out of 10 people it's coming. die. And something inside of all of us says, I don't want to die. I want to live. Well, that is, God has given you that desire to live. We all want to live. But God, the judge of the universe, has proclaimed a death sentence upon all mankind. Why? Romans 5.12, because of one man's sin. Yeah. Because of one man's sin, death entered into the world. Okay, Paul, I'm going to play this little clip right here. I watched Peter Furler at Winter Jam. Oh, yeah. Listen to this. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow tired. Or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases power to the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary, and young people stumble and fall. But those that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles, run and not grow weary, walk and not be faint. So do not fear, for I am with you, says the Lord. Do not be dismayed, I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. All who wage war against you will be as nothing at all. For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you tonight, Kentucky, do not fear. Do not fear. I was not born set free in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth he gave man a choice man chose to be his own God and when man chooses to be his own God doors are open that were never meant to be opened and into them doors come powerful things sickness, disease, hurt pain, poverty anger, malice bitterness, betrayal Hatred, gossip, slander, these things 
so powerful, wreaking havoc on this planet. These things so powerful cause a man to kill another man. These things so powerful, too powerful for science, too powerful for medicine, too powerful for drugs, too powerful for alcohol, too powerful for cosmology, too powerful for philosophy, too powerful for psychology, too powerful for quantum physics, too powerful for Buddha, too powerful for Confucius, too powerful for Muhammad. The only way they can be dealt with is by something more powerful than them. The only thing more powerful than them is something that has defeated death. The only thing that's defeated death is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Woo! That's good. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Hey, but that's... I connected that with, you know, when man's sin in the garden, when man's sin in the garden... Those doors were open, Paul, and it brought death into the world, but it yeah. also brought suffering and, and hate and pain and sickness. And because of one man's sin, we, we, we all die. But the same God is rich in mercy. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sin. We broke God's law, but Jesus paid our debt. He conquered death. How do we know that Jesus conquered death? The resurrection. Amen. Zach talked last week or a couple of weeks ago about the case for the resurrection. And, but again, this has to be received by faith. But Jesus Christ conquered death, and now he sits at the right hand of God. And as the Bible says, he's making intercession for you and for me. John chapter 3, verse 16 says, For God so loved the world, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. If there's a one in a million chance that this was true, we owe it to ourselves to look into it. All you have to do for ultimate proof is repent and believe the gospel. Cry out unto God. Say, God, I've sinned against you. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and paid my sin debt. And I believe that he was resurrected to bring life unto me and I accept my and I accept him into my heart for forgiveness. So Paul that's going to kind of wrap it up for today. Those three irrefutable evidences of a creator creation produces knowledge of a creator. Conscience produces knowledge of a need for God's forgiveness. Yes. And conversion produces the spiritual knowledge of God. That's true. So why don't you uh, give us some closing thoughts here and wrap us up and we'll call today. Rome, there's never been a creator of anything that didn't love what he created. If, if I create uh, the internal parts of a, of a home with the electrical circuits and I, and I do it all nice and neat. And when I step back and look at it and it's beautiful and I know it's going to work, I care about it. I'm excited about it. Because it looks good. I've done it. I put my hand to it. There's no creator that created anything that he's not proud of. Agreed. And the Father in heaven is proud of who we are. And he wants us to love and acknowledge him. He loves us. He loves us. John says, greater love hath none than this, mm. than a man who gave up his life for his friends. I want to ask you today, are you his friend? 
The answer to that for me is yes. Amen. Yes, I am. <laughs> I want to thank you. Thank everybody out there for listening to Truth Revival Podcast. If you haven't had a chance, be sure to like us on Facebook and share. Like and share. We know that this podcast has been a blessing to so many out there. And we want to wish you, I guess, an early Merry Christmas. Yes. Right, Paul? Yes. Merry Christmas from the boys at, at Truth Revival. We want to say God bless you. Have a good day. Have a Merry Christmas. We're out of here. <laughs>